Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Content warning. This episode contains depictions of suicide and self-harm. If those things are disturbing to you, you may want to check out a different episode. By far the largest part of the United States government's annual budget goes towards its defense program. In March 2023, the Biden administration put in a request for $842 billion to be allocated for the Department of Defense, the biggest such request yet. That number is only expected to grow bigger each year and is expected to cross the $1 trillion mark sometime in the near future. Those are some really big numbers. The United States spends more on its military than the next nine countries combined. But where does all that money go? That's a good question, but one you're likely never going to know the answer to. Each year, a significant portion of the U.S. defense budget is set aside for classified programs in what is known as the Black Budget. In 2018, the Trump administration asked for $81.1 billion to be set aside for the 2019 Black Budget. Much of that money goes towards weapons programs you'll likely never hear about. Sometimes you'll be able to find government records of these programs which gives them obscure names like Retract Jupiter and Tractor Nail. But by and large, you'll never know exactly what these programs are or whether this was taxpayer money well spent because those same programs are classified. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. In 2019, Rolling Stone published a damning article showcasing the mass chaos that exists in the U.S. military budget and how little is actually known about how much money is really being spent, even by the people who are supposed to be doing the accounting. In 2018, more than 1,200 auditors took a look at the Department of Defense budget and came away in defeat. There was simply no way to account for all the money that went missing. But the U.S. Defense Department is able to get around all these trillions in dollars in missing taxpayer money by offering up what are called plugs to cover the massive black holes in the budget. Yes, that's a trillion with a T. In 2017, Michigan State University professor Mark Skidmore led a study that discovered 21 trillion in plugs over a 17-year period. Now, if billions and even trillions of dollars suddenly can't be accounted for, they just assign one of these plugs to it and voila, problem solved. Mind you, if your average U.S. taxpayer tried some of the sneaky accounting tricks offered by the Defense Department, they'd almost certainly end up in jail. But for the U.S. government, this is just business as usual. In 1995, a man named Phil Schneider began making the lecture circuit claiming he knew of at least one black budget program where billions of dollars in taxpayer money were being spent. And that program was downright terrifying. Schneider was a geologist and structural engineer who claimed to have worked on several top-secret U.S. government programs. Schneider said that back in 1979, he was working with a crew on one such black project just outside Dulce, New Mexico. Dulce is a quaint little border town with a population just under 3,000. Most of the people who live there are Native Americans. It has an office of the Bureau of Indian Affairs, a couple of churches, and a tiny airport. And not much else. Oh, and it's also the alleged location of a secret underground military base. 
Some sources you'll come across claim that this underground base dates back to the 1930s, although as you'll hear, there are other sources claiming the base is much, much older. According to Phil Schneider, back in 1979, he was part of the engineering crew tasked with drilling four massive holes into the earth along the Archuleta Mesa for the construction of a secret underground military base. From the start of the project, Phil said he thought things were suspicious because of the number of Green Berets, Black Berets, and Special Forces soldiers who were stationed there. Then things got even weirder as they tunneled deeper into the earth. For some reason, their drills kept breaking, and sometimes the ground would release a noxious-smelling black smoke from down below. Then at one point, the massive drill broke through into an underground cavity that was not expected to be there. So Phil climbed onto a lift to go down and see what was happening. He was wearing a full hazmat suit to protect him from any toxic fumes. Much to his amazement, as Phil lowered himself into the opening, quickly realized that there was already a massive underground facility beneath the mesa. And what was more shocking was the first living creature he saw was a seven-foot-tall gray alien. I'm Nate Hale, coming to you live from my secret podcasting studio inside Mount Shasta. And this is The Conspirators. From the moment he lowered himself into the opening beneath Archuleta Mesa, Bill Schneider couldn't believe what he was seeing. Underneath the mesa was a massive high-tech underground facility. And standing right in front of him was your classic gray alien straight out of Hollywood. He described the creature as being seven feet tall with an oversized head, grayish skin, and a huge black eyes. It smelled awful as well, like a wet garbage dump. Schneider instantly panicked. His first instinct was to grab for his pistol. He said he had trouble loading the clip because of his thick hazmat suit gloves. He managed to fumble the clip into place and opened fire, shooting and killing two aliens. Immediately after, another one of the creatures raised a hand, and suddenly a bluish laser plasma ball shot right at Phil, burning his abdomen and blowing off two of his fingers and part of his left hand. When Phil began giving his lectures at UFO conferences, he would often pause at this point in the story and lift his shirt to show his scars, as well as his missing fingers. Bill said that immediately after getting struck by the energy weapon, a massive firefight broke out between the aliens and the military personnel who came down with him. One Green Beret grabbed Phil and threw him back onto the lift, then hit the button to send him back up to the surface. Phil said he saw the man getting blasted to death by one of the lasers as the lift took him to safety. Bill said that after that, a full-scale firefight broke out between the soldiers and the aliens. In total, Bill Schneider claimed that 66 men lost their lives that day in what he described as the Battle of Dulce Base. For about a year, starting in 1995, Phil Schneider went on the UFO lecture circuit describing his terrifying encounter with aliens underneath the Earth, giving even more details about the secret underground alien base. He said that he learned that following the firefight, the U.S. government was forced to form a sort of devil's bargain with the different alien races that took refuge there. He said that the underground alien base had been in existence for about 500 years, and that now the U.S. military had to either form an alliance with them or go to war, a war that we humans would almost certainly lose. The aliens agreed to give us their advanced technology, things that went on to help us develop the stealth aircraft, among other things. 
And in exchange, the government gave them us. According to Phil Schneider, the U.S. military agreed to allow the aliens to abduct a number of human beings and bring them down into their massive complex of underground bases in order to experiment on them. Phil claimed that there were 131 active secret underground bases in the United States alone, with a complex web of nearly 1,500 such bases around the world. And they were all connected with a series of magnetic levitation trains that could reach speeds of up to Mach 2. These underground bases were populated by at least nine distinct alien races, several of whom were considered benevolent, while four of them were downright evil. Bill Schneider also claimed that the United States government had signed multiple treaties with the aliens dating back all the way to 1944, with the latest being in 1979 following the underground firefight in Dulce Base. One such treaty, called the Griata Treaty, was signed in 1954. This was the treaty that allowed the Grey Aliens free reign to abduct and experiment on us humans. Now, you might be wondering why all these alien races might be so interested in experimenting on human beings. Well, one of the main reasons is that because some of these alien races viewed us as a delicious food source. In particular, some of the aliens love to feast upon a chemical compound called adrenochrome. This is a substance that is produced by the oxidation of adrenaline, and supposedly is at its most potent when the subject is undergoing tremendous physical pain and emotional distress. This is brought about through violent and painful experimentation. According to Phil Schneider and others who subscribe to this theory, adrenochrome is a powerful intoxicant to the alien races. In other words, the aliens get high off our fear. If all this sounds unbelievable to you, well, you're not alone. Phil Schneider made a lot of wild claims between 1995 and 1996. During that time, a lot of serious ufologists distanced himself from what he said. During that year, he also claimed that the alien plasma weapon gave him cancer, that the 1993 World Trade Center bombing and the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing were done using miniature nuclear devices using alien weapons. He said the United States government had an earthquake weapon and that two recent major quakes were the result of testing of that device. He said that AIDS and other diseases were cooked up in an alien lab as a means of population control. All of these things were being done in order to establish a so-called New World Order in which 90% of the human population would be eliminated, with the remaining 10% becoming slaves. Bill Schneider claimed he had the highest level security clearance possible and that he had been briefed on much of this information at a top-secret meeting at the United Nations. The problem was that all this secret knowledge he possessed put him in the U.S. government's crosshairs, and that his life was in constant danger. He said he was being surveilled constantly, and that he had even been attacked by an FBI agent once. He said he killed the man in self-defense, only the FBI hushed the incident up because otherwise they might be forced to reveal what had happened. Bill said he had several close friends who all died under mysterious circumstances. Only all their deaths were ruled as suicides. Bill constantly told his friends and family members that the government was out to get him, and that if he ever turned up dead, they shouldn't believe it was suicide. Now you might have noticed I keep mentioning how Phil Schneider only went around talking about all these things for a year starting in 1995. That's because in January 1996, Phil Schneider was found dead in his apartment of an apparent suicide. And no matter what else you might believe about Phil Schneider based on everything I've described, you'll have to agree that Phil Schneider's death 
was extremely weird. When Schneider was first found dead in his apartment, his cause of death was originally listed as unknown. Even though he had a medical tube wrapped around his neck three times with a knot below his neck. This would be extremely painful and a difficult way for even a perfectly healthy person to commit suicide. But remember, Phil Schneider was missing half his left hand. Besides that, he had limited motion in his shoulders, and his cancer treatments had left him with brittle bone syndrome, confining him to a wheelchair most of the time. Phil Schneider was a very sick man by the time he died. Now, you might point to that very fact and say that Phil Schneider decided to take his own life as a means of ending his suffering and you would raise a pretty good point. But then you have to wonder, why strangle himself? Phil Schneider owned guns and could have shot himself. He also had enough pills on hand that he could have taken his own life that way too. But things get even weirder from there. Despite the fact that he was legally required to do so, for some reason the medical examiner refused to visit the scene. According to Phil's family, he also refused to test Phil's blood and urine, claiming there was no need to test them. When Phil's family asked about the whereabouts of those samples, they were told they were sent to an independent lab that lost them. Later on, Phil's ex-wife went to collect his belongings, only several items were missing. This included recordings of Phil's lectures. Along with a number of photographs and other documents about Dulce Base, Phil had been known to show off during his public appearances. Then in the days following Phil's death, an obituary appeared in the local paper stating that Phil died of a stroke. This was problematic for two reasons. Not only was the cause of death wrong, but none of Phil's family members wrote that obituary, and they were never able to find out who did. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Bill Schneider wasn't the only supposed whistleblower who revealed details of the top secret base beneath Dulce, New Mexico. In the years following Schneider's death, stories began appearing from a man named Thomas Castello, who claimed to be a military photographer who held top-secret clearance. He said that he once worked at the top-secret underground facility in Area 51, as well as once being stationed at Dulce Base back in 1987. Castello said he was so deeply disturbed by what he saw when he worked in Dulce Base that he felt obligated to come forward and reveal the truth to the public. He said that he managed to smuggle out 30 black and white photographs of the horrors he saw, as well as a videotape. The most famous of these photos depicts what appears to be a bunch of human bodies floating in vats of liquid. Castello claimed that horrific experiments were being performed on human beings in the secret underground labs at Dulce. He claimed that human hormones were being harvested for various reasons, including food for the aliens. Castello is also the whistleblower who gave the clearest description of the seven floors of the underground facility and what was actually on each level. The top floor was mainly for security, while level two was where the human staff lived. Level three was the executive level. Level four is where all the mind control experiments were being performed. Level five was where the aliens lived. Level six was where all the most horrific genetic experiments occurred including genetic splicing to create monstrous human-alien hybrids. 
Level 7 was dedicated to cryogenics and cold storage for the dead. According to Costello, the ultimate goal of our secret alien overlords is for them to eliminate most of the world's population by the year 2029. He also said that the U.S. military has not only known about this for nearly 50 years, but they have been actively colluding with the aliens to make it happen. Costello also claimed that not all the inhuman races that lived in Dulce Base were aliens from another world. One race in particular were the Dracos, a reptilian race evolved from dinosaurs that actually predated humanity. They were the true overlord race, ruling over the greys and all the other aliens living beneath the earth. Costello said the Dracos were completely uncaring about human beings, and that their ultimate goal was to rule the surface world as well as the world beneath our feet. It was the Dracos that first created the massive underground tunnel system thousands of years ago, having long since learned to adapt to living beneath the earth. After revealing publicly everything he knew about Dulce Base and the reptilians out to bring about a new world order, Thomas Costello went into hiding in Europe where he is presumed to have died at some point. Since then, a number of proponents of these stories about a secret reptilian race have come to prominence in the UFO community. This includes David Icke, a former British footballer and sports broadcaster. He has written more than 20 books on the subject and has given numerous lectures detailing the secret history of the world. These are subjects that include the Reptilians, the Anunnaki, the New World Order, and a list far too long to go into here about everything he believes to be secretly going on. Oh yeah, and he's a Holocaust denier too. Another major proponent of the story of the Reptilians and other alien races living beneath the Earth was John Lear, the son of Learjet founder Bill Lear. John Lear had quite a colorful career himself. He learned to fly at age 14. In 1960, he started working at his father's company. During his life, he broke 17 world records in multiple varieties of aircraft. During the 1960s and 70s, he flew cargo planes for the CIA. Then in 1987, Lear posted a message on an online forum claiming that the U.S. government had been colluding with several alien races for decades. And that films such as E.T. the Extraterrestrial and Close Encounters of the Third Kind were made to influence the public into believing these aliens were our benevolent space brothers and were here for the benefit of all mankind. He went on to describe how the government was deceived into working with the aliens who were secretly planning on taking over the world. These were all things that were known to the secret government committee known as Majestic 12, which is another rabbit hole I'll discuss in a future episode. Lear went on to claim that in 1964 the aliens met with the U.S. military officials at Holloman Air Force Base, and that a treaty was signed which allowed the aliens to abduct humans for experimentation in exchange for alien technology. Lear said that cattle mutilations were the result of some of those same alien experiments. He also said that a number of children that go missing each year were being taken by the aliens, since the adrenochrome they produced was considered the purest form of the human secretion. He also confirmed many of the details of what Phil Schneider described during the Battle of Dulce Base. Lear said that Earth has been visited by anywhere between 5 to 10 alien civilizations throughout the centuries. He said that at least 90% of those races were hostile toward us lowly humans. These aliens had a completely different moral code to us, and they viewed us as little more than insects. Lear said that some of these alien races had suffered a nuclear holocaust in their home world long ago, and that now they were trying to rebuild their race through genetic experimentation by crossbreeding with us humans. 
He also claimed that many female abductees were being used to incubate these human-alien hybrids. Of course, that's a lot to unpack here. But can we actually believe any of it? Well, quite frankly, that seems doubtful at best. The problem with the stories told by whistleblowers like John Lear and Phil Schneider is that they never produced any actual physical evidence to back up their wild stories other than their word. And in the case of Thomas Castello, it's even worse because there's quite a bit of evidence that points to the simple fact that Castello may never have existed at all. Let's look at Phil Schneider first. While there is some evidence that Schneider really did have experience as a self-taught geologist and structural engineer, there really isn't much else about his story that appears to mesh with reality. Much of Phil's story is wildly over the top and often puts him at the center of it as the lone hero of the tale. Let's break it down. First, Phil's descriptions of the various military forces he spotted around the drilling at Dulce Base don't make much sense. He claimed there were members of the Green Berets, Black Berets, Delta Force, the Secret Service, and NATO all present the day of the battle. First of all, none of those military groups would be working together, especially in a dusty corner of the New Mexico desert. NATO is a foreign military force and would never be allowed to operate on American soil. The Secret Service's primary functions are protecting the President and other high-ranking officials, as well as protecting the financial well-being of the United States, neither of which jives with them being deployed at Dulce Base. In 1979, Delta Force was only a little over a year old and was still top secret at that point in history. Although by the time Phil Schneider began talking about them, the government had finally revealed the elite military force existed to the public. Also problematic was the fact that Delta Force was designed as a counter-terrorism unit, which wouldn't make much sense having them being deployed as armed security. Besides all that, the basic premise of the Battle of Dulce Base doesn't make much sense either. So we are to believe that the U.S. military sent this massive drilling operation into the desert to begin building their own top-secret underground base. Only they didn't realize they were actually building a top-secret underground base right on the very spot where a top-secret underground base already existed that was being run by aliens. And yet, Phil Schneider, John Lear, and others claimed at the same time that the U.S. government already knew about the underground aliens and had been cooperating with them for decades by that point. So why try to build a base by drilling down into a base that already existed? And why send a bunch of heavily armed military personnel to the location ready for a fight? Then there's the circumstances of the battle itself. Does it make any sense to any of you that Phil Schneider, a geologist and structural engineer, would be armed with a pistol when he went down into the underground tunnel? For what reason? Not to mention the way Phil describes his reaction. One, that he actually had to struggle to insert a clip into the pistol, which at the very least you would think he would have already had loaded. That particular gun, by the way, was a Walter PPK, the same weapon that James Bond uses. On top of all that, you have to consider that upon first seeing aliens, Phil's first instinct was to start shooting. It would be one thing if the aliens were immediately hostile, but in Phil Schneider's telling of the story, it wasn't the aliens who shot first. He did. Which, come to think of it, maybe there's something to be said for Greedo shooting first after all. As for the rest of Phil Schneider's story, there's a lot of dispute there as well. When Schneider gave his lectures, one of the few pieces of evidence he would provide was what he said was an actual photograph of a real alien. That photo, though, didn't show one of the greys or the reptilians. It was taken in what appears to be a military ready room. And the figure Schneider points to was a fairly average-looking human with blonde hair who has become famous in UFO lore as Valiant Thor, 
The story of Valiant Thor is another lengthy rabbit hole we can delve into in the future. But in short, Valiant Thor is allegedly the member of an alien race from Venus who landed in a farmer's field in Alexandria, Virginia back in the 1950s. Upon stepping out of his spacecraft, Valiant Thor, or Val for short, told a couple of startled police officers those famous words, Take me to your leader. In this particular case, that leader was President Eisenhower, whom he went on to work with as well as several other presidents who came after. Phil Schneider claimed that the photo of Valiant Thor he liked to show in his lectures was taken on board the USS Eldridge. The Eldridge is yet another infamous location in UFO slash paranormal lore, because that's the ship that was at the center of what is known as the Philadelphia Experiment. That's yet another story I'll cover in the future. I swear I'm keeping a list of all these. Schneider pointed out that the man sitting right behind Valiant Thor in the photo was his own father. Phil Schneider also claimed that his father was a Nazi U-boat captain who was captured by the U.S. military and switched sides to fight for the Allies. But military records show that Phil's father, Oscar Schneider, was a captain in the U.S. Navy Medical Corps from 1931 to 1946. Birth records show that Oscar Schneider was born in San Francisco in 1906. One more part of Phil Schneider's story you can poke a hole into is how his hand got injured. Phil claimed that he lost half his hand and had his abdomen injured by an alien laser weapon. Except Phil Schneider's college roommate later came forward and said that Phil actually lost his fingers while working as an electrical lineman installing power cables. There are just so many things about Phil Schneider's story that are beyond unbelievable, and often sound like paranoid delusions. When we tell stories about ourselves, we often think of ourselves as the hero in our own personal journey. Throughout the final year of his life, Phil Schneider described himself in terms that painted him as the hero in a complex conspiracy involving aliens, government cover-ups, and top-secret military bases. It's impossible to say for certain what Phil Schneider's motivations were for spreading such a fantastic and unbelievable story, although signs do point toward mental illness. Perhaps this was brought on by the strain of knowing he was tragically dying from cancer. But, whatever the reason, it seems like Phil was doing whatever he could to make sense of the world, even if it meant reshaping the narrative around him. At the same time, I have to admit, Phil Schneider's death remains really, really strange. I suppose one could come up with a scenario where Phil orchestrated his own suicide to appear so mysterious we'd still be talking about it in conspiracy circles today. But... That's just as much wild speculation as anything Phil Schneider ever said during his life. As for Thomas Costello, his story is even more troublesome. That's because there doesn't appear to be any real evidence that anyone named Thomas Costello ever served in the U.S. military, much less blew the lid off an underground alien base beneath Dulce. For one thing, it turns out that the infamous photo Costello allegedly smuggled out of Dulce Base showing human beings kept in vats full of liquid is actually a still frame from the Arnold Schwarzenegger film The Sixth Day. Other than that, there's not a shred of evidence that can corroborate anything allegedly said by Thomas Castello. It seems that much of the story of Dulce Base, including the story of Thomas Castello, can be traced back to a man named James Bishop III. Bishop, who also went by the name of Tal Levesque, used to publish a newsletter back in the 1970s called The Hollow Earth Hassle. In it, he described the alien creatures that lived beneath the Earth in a network of underground bases. James Bishop was apparently heavily influenced by several stories called the Shaver Mysteries, which first appeared in the science fiction pulp magazine Amazing Stories back in 1947. 
I talked about the Shaver Mysteries previously in my episode on the Hollow Earth, but in short, the Shaver Mystery is the account of a man named Richard Sharp Shaver, who claimed to have stumbled into the technologically advanced underground lair of a race of sinister alien beings called the Deros. James Bishop III appears to have expanded upon those stories and turned them into the legend of the alleged underground base at Dulce, New Mexico. He also appears to be one of the original sources of the Thomas Castello story. Some sources you'll come across say the Thomas Castello story actually originated with a woman named Anne West, although even those stories claim she got her information from James Bishop, a.k.a. Tal Levesque. That brings us to John Lear. He's another individual who throughout his life spread the story of the evil underground aliens set to take over the world. In fact, many of his claims were so over the top that he once angrily stormed out of a UFO convention when a number of other UFO researchers disavowed him. But did Lear actually believe all the things he was saying? Well, for that, you have to consider another fact that is known about him. Lear is known to have worked with the CIA throughout his life. One possible theory is that Lear was still working for the CIA right up until his death and was intentionally spreading disinformation from the U.S. government throughout the UFO community. Since Lear is now deceased, there's no way to know this for certain. He might well have been every bit as big a true believer in this vast alien conspiracy as he said he was. But in my next episode, I'm going to tell you some more stories about the origins of the legend of Dulce Base, and about the steps that U.S. intelligence took to perpetuate the legend. Although the stories of top-secret alien underground bases and horrific genetic experiments may not be true, what the government really did to one UFO researcher in order to spread disinformation is equally as disturbing. The Conspirators is written and produced by me, Nate Hale, an entirely fictional identity. Thanks so much for listening. If you didn't hear my special announcement, I wanted to let you know that I just launched my brand new YouTube channel, where I'll be bringing you all sorts of stories of the strange and mysterious throughout history. I call it Dark Chronicles because I see it as the next evolution of this podcast. In each episode, I'll be presenting a mix of original true stories as well as revisiting some older mysteries, complete with brand new content and visuals. I just released my new episode today on YouTube, and I hope you'll check it out. New episodes drop every Monday. In other news, I wanted to thank my latest Patreon supporters. Thank you to William, Lauren, Jody, Eric, and Michelle for signing up and helping support the show. I simply can't thank you enough. Just a reminder, the patrons of the show get access to all sorts of nifty bonuses, including stickers, magnets, t-shirts, and our ever-growing library of bonus mini-episodes. If you're interested in joining our Patreon or subscribing to my new YouTube and TikTok channels, I'll put links in the show notes to all of them. I really hope you'll take the time to check out YouTube. It's been a labor of love, and I've had it in the works for a long time. I'm hoping to make it as much of a success as this podcast has been. Elsewhere, you can follow us along on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, which I still can't bring myself to call X. We also have a website, theconspiratorspodcast.com. You can also send us an old-fashioned email to conspiratorspodcast at gmail.com and let us know how we're doing, or even give us episode suggestions. This two-part episode was actually a suggestion from one of my listeners named Al. Thanks, Al. Thanks again to all of you for following the show and coming with me on my journey into all things strange and mysterious. I hope you'll join me next time for part two of this series.
If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.